Good morning, Oikos. Does anyone want to preach next week? And I'll tell you why. So for that opening, if you're sitting right here, the subwoofers are right underneath. You feel like you're flying or there's an earthquake shaking right here in Houston. It's pretty cool. So if anybody wants to preach next week, just let me know. Don't hold yourself back. We're in Mark. We're going to go through the gospel of Mark. Now, the way we're going to do this is that I'm not actually going to read verse by verse, chapter by chapter every Sunday so that we go through it. You guys will have some responsibility as well. So even if you're not preaching next week, you still need to get into God's Word. I want you to read the Bible. Everybody cool about reading the Bible? Awesome. I looked for people's hands that I could call you out by name in case you didn't raise them. So thank you for raising your hands. What we're going to be doing is that we use the Moravian text, and it's just a reading plan that you get on. But guess what? For this one, you don't even have to do that, although that's cheating, but you don't have to do that. Just read through Mark, and as long as you're reading through Mark, you'll basically be tracking with us as we go through Mark in this series. So just read through Mark. Like this week, basically, we went through chapter 1, so not, it's not reading 10 chapters, but if you read 10 chapters of Mark, you're basically all the way through it, so don't do that, or you're going to read Mark every day, which actually, I guess I should say you should do, but I know you won't, so just read, well, I just know that I won't, so read as much as the Lord provides for that morning, as much time as He gives you, read through, listen to what the Lord is saying to you in that gospel. And how he's trying to interrupt your life just for a moment so that you can hear his voice. So Mark chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 29 through 35. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Jesus then preaches in Galilee, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. The reason why we're looking at the gospel of Mark, partly is because it's a fast-paced gospel. And so if you want to look at the life of Jesus, Mark begins very quickly with John the Baptist announcing his arrival. And then in that first chapter, we begin to see that he's doing miracles. He's beginning to bring the kingdom of God into the lives of people. And it goes quick, very quickly. But one of the practices that we see from Jesus is that though he represents the kingdom on a daily basis, and he may do so many times during that day, 
He has a practice that he pulls back and goes to an isolated place. Or if you actually look at the Greek, it's the dry, high places that he would seek out that would be away from people. Now, this area that he's in is highly populated. So to get away from people would be very difficult. It would be similar to here in Houston. So where my wife and I live in the first ward, if we try to get away from people, we really have to look for a place that's isolated, and that's hard to do, right? But I believe that even in the urban life of Houston, you can still find isolated places. And the first place that came to my mind when I was thinking, where could I find an isolated place that I could go to to just reflect? And one of the places I thought of, it's my wife makes fun of me because I always ask, should we go do this? And she's like, again, or why? But the Chase Tower, if you go to the observation deck, can be an isolated place. Now, it's gotten a little touristy. I don't know why, but it's gotten a little touristy now that it's, there's more people up there than there used to be. I think because they redid some things and now there's, people think it's more cool. But it used to be, I'm talking like I've lived in Houston all my life, which I haven't, but it used to be back in the day. You could go up there and sometimes there wouldn't be hardly anybody up there. Very isolated. But even in that place, there's times where you can come close to the window and the surroundings around you. You can't even tell people are there because you're just looking out. And though there's millions of people that you're looking out over, it's almost isolated. It's a predictable pattern that Jesus set in his life, and I believe he wants us to follow it as well. He wants you to find a place early in the morning or sometime during the day that you pull back and you just go and listen to the Father. You just try to connect. And the way we know we can connect with the Father is through his word and through prayer. So there are two things that we want to do as a people of God daily is pull back from the rest of the world for a short time to hear the Father's words and to pray. That is something you can do. Really, all of us can do that. What we find is that we find other things that happen that pull us away from it. But I want to put this out as a challenge for us. Think about what's going on in your life right now that's challenging. And this next week, just for one week, early in the morning, pull away, read some of God's word, probably Mark, hint, hint. Read the gospel of Mark and say a word of prayer to the Lord. And see if your week this week is different than the week before. See if you begin to see the presence of the Lord working in you differently than you did before. See if you are responding to people differently than you would respond or would have responded before. Who's up for that challenge? Awesome. So if you have something that you see that the Lord has 
pushed into your life and he represents himself in a very awesome way, email me and say, hey, I've been doing this practice. I've started this predictable pattern this week. And this is what happened. I'd love to hear it. So the disciples were seeing this as well, right? This is a pattern that Jesus began, but at this point, this is something that may have been new for them. Just recently, they had been called from their professions, fishing or tax collecting or whatever they were doing. They were called out of those and to follow this guy. Now, we can guess that they may have been a little bit excited that they could leave this profession behind and start something new. And maybe they could get a little bit of status within their culture, within the Jerusalem area, that they were now on the road of maybe becoming a rabbi themselves. We know that this was a theocracy. So if you were a priest, you held some significance within the community. So maybe the disciples were thinking, you know, no other rabbi chose us, but Jesus, this guy that is a little crazy, but hey, we'll follow him. Let's do what he does, and maybe we can be a rabbi ourselves. We can't totally jump into the minds of the disciples, but I tried to a little bit to just think, so they just saw all this stuff. They saw a guy who's demon-possessed be released. They've seen healings of people. They, they're starting to see this rabbi is different than the other rabbis, and if we can be like him, wow. Wouldn't that make us pretty awesome? Now, maybe that's just because I'm narcissistic and I think about myself first. But I believe that we all kind of have that trend that, boy, if I can associate myself with this guy, maybe my life will be better. And I think that would be a common response of the disciples. Man, if we can just be a little bit like him, Think about the significance we might be able to gain. For Judas, you could think, he may have been thinking, man, all these people have been coming to be healed. What we need to do is just charge them a little bit and think about the money we could make. Just if I stick close to this Jesus guy, the crowds are coming I could actually make some profit on this. That might have been Judas. Another one of the disciples might have been thinking, man, if he can do all these things, if we stick close to him, he definitely can overthrow the Roman authority, and then I'll be like his principal advisor. I'm going to be right next to him, right next to the throne. That power and authority. And then they wake up. So you got to kind of place yourself. They're all asleep. They didn't rise early in the morning. They had healed and gathered people for Jesus to heal all through this community. They are tired. They kind of sleep in a little bit. They wake up and Jesus is gone. I think we would have a little propensity to say, 
shoot. Or something like that. Where did he go? We need to go find him. Because if I'm not next to him, and these crowds are wanting him, we can't do that. We can't do what he does. So we got to go find him. And there they found him, simply praying, simply being with the Father, trying to get himself ready for the very difficult or arduous journey that was ahead. And that leads us to verse 36, that later Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. This is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So the disciples had seen a good thing, and they were calling him back into that. They're saying, hey, everyone in this place loves us. They can't get enough of us. So come back into this place because they're looking for you. But Jesus isn't interested in being a celebrity. He isn't interested in just starting something in a particular place. He's interested about doing what the Father had asked him to do. And that means that he has to be in a movement, not just in a certain location. And so he says, we got to keep moving. He doesn't want the fame or the glory from just a particular part of people. He's here to save sinners. He's here to stay on mission. And so in verse 40, he meets a man in the middle of staying on this mission that makes him pause. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. So if you step into the shoes of the leper, since discovering that he's had leprosy, he has been called a literal outcast. Not just his physical condition, but spiritual. He has done something to deserve this punishment, and it's directly from God. He is unclean. He actually asks Jesus to make him clean, not so much to heal him, because he knew that this was a condition that usurped his physical condition. It wasn't just about him slowly rotting away. It was about him being pushed outside the community. He was isolated. He was alone. He was untouchable. Physically, people thought they'd catch leprosy, which isn't true, but they thought they'd catch it if they touched him. And spiritually, they thought they would be unclean and unable to be in community if they touched him. I believe he probably had heard the word from Lamentations, and yet he struggled to believe that it was true for him. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 20 through 24. I will never forget this awful time. 
as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. I mean, this was an awful time in this guy's life. And in fact, I don't know if he had hope or not. But definitely hope didn't come until he saw Jesus come around the corner. He probably had heard about Jesus. The whole countryside was hearing about Jesus. So he thought maybe this guy could do something for him. Maybe this guy would cleanse him. He obviously isn't hiding his leprosy. Or perhaps he's been so advanced in the leprosy that there's no way to hide it. Maybe his flesh has rotted so much that he doesn't have fingers or the open sores can't be covered. Maybe he can't even walk really well. But for whatever reason, he seeks out Jesus thinking that perhaps this guy is a different kind of rabbi. He's the kind of rabbi that isn't just about the religion, but he's more about life. And maybe he can change mine. This man who is untouchable, if you really step into his shoes... Imagine not being touched for several years. No hugs. No kisses. No pats on the back if you've done a good job. No handshakes. And no one would want to be 10 feet from you. In fact, you can't even enter most places. You have to be in the outskirts of town. You don't get to choose to go to an isolated place. You're placed there. All alone. That is the leper. No contact, nothing. Nothing at all for him. No one loved him. No one wanted to be around him. I wonder if some of you came this morning, and even though you put your good Sunday face on, you maybe have an area of your life where you feel this way. That you're a little bit alone, or that that part of your life is just untouchable. Or you don't want anyone to see it, because maybe they'll discover that you're not quite like them. Maybe they'll see a place or a part of you that's dirty that needs to be cleansed and you don't want it to show. I think we can learn something about the leper that up until this point he didn't know Jesus personally. He probably only heard about what he had been doing. And yet the moment he saw him, he put his hope in him. 
he was willing to go up to a rabbi and request help. And so what did Jesus do? Verse 41, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. Jesus said, I am willing, he said, be healed or be cleansed. Now this word compassion can be translated, Jesus was angered. Now our culture today kind of likes the word compassion more because that makes Jesus nicer, right? Who likes a nice Jesus? Yeah, you like nice you like nice Jesus, right? We all like nice Jesus. But I think the word angered is actually a good perspective on compassion. See, Jesus was looking at this guy who didn't isolate himself necessarily, but was isolated. He was turned away. He was told he was untouchable. He was told that he was unclean. He was told he was no longer worth society. He was not a problem of society. He was an outcast. They had washed their hands of him. And I believe that compassion sometimes does show itself in anger. Anger of what someone else has done to someone else. What a community has done to other people. So I think that that might be an accurate translation that Jesus was moved by anger. So upset that the people around had said to this man, you're not worth it. And Jesus could have just said, you are cleansed. We know that in Scripture, Jesus doesn't have to do anything more. But I imagine Jesus going like this and reaching out to touch him so that everyone around, they were probably already just grossed out and dismayed that they were even stopped to talk to this leper that Jesus would even pause after he just told them they need to keep moving. Here Jesus is stopping again for a leper. And now not only does he reach out and get closer to him, but he touches him. See, it's a different perspective that Jesus had than the world had. The world had a perspective that if you touch this leper, you get affected, you become unclean, and you become sick. But Jesus had a perspective that by touching him, he would become clean, he would become healed, he would become new. I wonder if we follow the words of Jesus and the ways of Jesus that in this story, he's asking us, who are we unwilling to touch? What areas are we unwilling to touch or that we've said are out of God's grace? Because I think he's asking us to reach out 
and touch what is broken. His perspective is that we are people that are salt and light. We bring change because he is in us. So what in your life do you believe you have said, that's too far, that's too dark, that's too this for me to touch? Because perhaps today the Lord is saying, I want you to reach out in my name and my power and my authority and bring hope to somebody who has been told they're a lost cause. Verse 42, instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a, with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Jesus wanted this man to be fully brought back into the community. And so that's why he has a stern warning to go and do what would be needed to be done in order to be received back into the community. He wanted him to be able to go back to the temple, to worship, to be a part of society once again. So it wasn't just a physical healing, but he would have a full spiritual healing as well. He would have a full transformation. Everyone that once knew him would be free to welcome him back into their lives. But the man went, this is verse 45, and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he, could, he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Jesus took a risk to help this man. A risk that went against his mission, in a sense. His mission was to continue going, but because he saw this man who needed life, he stopped. What an awesome Lord we have. Because he does that for you too. His grand purpose is that the world would be saved by coming to know him. But as he passes us by, some of us are in such a condition that he stops and reaches out to touch us, to heal us, to cleanse us, to remind us that we're not worthless, to remind us that he wants us in his family. He wants us to see that he will take time with you or with that person that maybe you didn't take time for. See, the crowds continued to rush in even though he secluded himself because everyone wants to have hope. No matter what kind of face we put on, there's an area in our life where we want to have hope. And he wants to give that to us. He wants to reach out and touch us for that hope. For some of us, we've been left alone, and maybe we've been left alone in divorce. A 
person who sinned, that they would be with us forever. He's no longer in our bed. And we go home to an empty house and we're alone. We've been left alone in disease. Or someone that we loved got sick and they died. Or they're stuck in the hospital and we don't get to see them. And we feel alone. Or maybe we're the one that has the disease. And we get a lot of visitors at the beginning and then they begin to stop and we are sitting in the bed by ourselves, alone. Or it's in death that we are left alone. The person that always went to the movie with you is no longer there and next to you is a stranger instead of that person that you loved. And you feel alone. Or maybe we've led ourselves into loneliness. We've compromised ourselves. We've compromised our body. And we gave the person what we thought they needed to stay with us. And then he says that there's somebody else. And we have shame in our life and we've compromised our values. But at the end of the day, we just feel alone. Or we've been sitting in front of the computer screen and we've been watching porn and hours and hours have gone by. And we realize that after a week, we've isolated ourselves from relationships that matter. And we've replaced them with fantasies that don't. And we're alone. Or we've been just simply hurt and damaged. So we find other ways to medicate. And soon that medication becomes an addiction. And soon that addiction is the only thing that's with us. Because everyone else has left us. We need Jesus right? We need Jesus to reach out and touch us. We need him to reach out and touch us in those areas of our life where we're grieving. And we need love because we feel alone. We need Jesus to reach out and touch us in the areas where we feel hopeless, that we're never moving forward, that everyone is against us, we need him to reach out and touch us and say, I'm by your side. Whatever challenge you're facing, we need Jesus to reach out and touch us. There is where we are fearful, where we think that we can't do it to give us confidence to move forward. We need Jesus to touch us in those areas where we have shame, where we're too afraid to tell anyone what we have done or what has happened to us. Because we just need to tell somebody. 
So this morning, we're going to ask Jesus to reach out and touch us in the area where we have a hole. A hole that we've tried to fill with others' crap. Right? I think we've all done it. Where we've looked for an area, and we know we need Jesus, but instead of having Jesus, instead of doing what the leper did, which is going to Jesus, to the one who could give him hope and love and help, we go somewhere else. So this morning, I want us to do the same thing the leper did, and that's turn our eyes towards Jesus and say, touch me. Touch me and heal me of what's broken inside. And we get to do this because the Lord gave us an amazing gift called the Lord's Supper. And in that, we touch his body and his blood because we believe it's really there. So we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in just a little bit, but we're also going to give an opportunity. As the Lord's Supper is going on, I'm going to be in the back. And if you want to receive prayer, I will humbly represent Jesus today and touch you and pray over you. It won't be Aaron. It'll just be Jesus saying, I want to touch you. And if anybody wants to join me in the back and pray for others as well, I'm not special. He lives in all of us. So if you want to join me and pray for people after you have experienced the Lord's Supper, then I invite you to do that. And you don't have to be in the back. You can be anywhere. I'm pretty flexible there. Prayer can happen anywhere here. It doesn't happen just in the back. But I'll be in the back. But I want us to be a community, a family that prays for one another and reminds one another that as we touch one another with words of hope, Jesus is touching us, reminding us that he will come again. And that everything that is broken, that is grieving, that is hurt, will be restored. And we can have that same hope the leper had, and we can even experience the same things that he did. Some of us, I believe, will walk out today healed from what is broken. You will step into a new day. You'll be able to recite lamentations with full conviction that each day is a new day, that his mercies are new. And I will have hope in the Lord. In others of us, it may take a longer time for the healing to come. But we will not be alone because we'll be in family. And what family does is they walk alongside of you as the Lord works on you, as the Lord heals you, as the Lord prepares us for home. That's what we do. Sometimes we do it in a bad way. Sometimes we're not very good at it. We're all learning. But we have grace for one another as we walk together, following Jesus. Because we're all lepers. We need him to touch us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our Lord and our Savior. That it is only in you and in your words in your touch, that we can be healed. 
There is no person or technology or other kind of faith that can restore us like you do. So Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and soften our hearts to receive your touch. And as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, Lord, we know that the way we prepare our hearts is that we repent. We repent of the things that we know are not of you. We say we want to put those aside. So Lord, I ask that we take those things that we want to put aside that have been obstacles to receiving your touch. And we lift those up to you right now. And we believe you hear us and that you know us deeply and that you care enough that you will stop to reach out and touch us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.